God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. All right, welcome, welcome, everybody, to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. And with us, we have, as always, me, Bob Schneider, and your friend, Clint Wells, who's had an interesting day. Give us the rundown. So my mom came into town yesterday because she's taking my daughter down to Auburn, which is south of Birmingham, for this gymnastics meet, like the world's best gymnast, that SUNY chick, is there. My daughter's really into gymnastics, blah, blah, blah. We had a great hang last night. This morning is like my first day off in a very long time. Me and Isabel have had a long couple of weeks, as you know. And <laughs> they leave at like 7 in the morning, 7.15, 7.30 something, my wife comes in and she's like, hey, your mom has a flat tire on the side of the highway. Uh, and she has Allstate, but you should probably go help them. So you know how it is when you, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but imagine Scarlet right on the shoulder of a road with fucking cars zooming by. It scared me to death. So I get out there and it's just a mess. Flat tire, it's in the mud, it's snowing. Total nightmare getting Allstate on the phone to come help. We had to change the tire, but it was one of those little like donuts getting to a tire place. My mom's fucking credit card wouldn't work. I'm buying her tires, taking them out to breakfast while we're waiting. It just was like a six hour ordeal. But what's interesting about it to me that I wanted to talk to you about is between the time that Isabel told me that, hey, your mom and Nova have a flat tire, you you know, they're out there somewhere waiting for AAA or whatever. She was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but, you you know, you can probably go back to sleep if AAA shows up. But anyway, there was a 10 second period where I, I laid my head back down and I thought, well, I, I guess it'll get figured out. And then 10 seconds later, I was like, what am I? <laughs> I have to go help them immediately. But that 10 seconds I was thinking, it's like there's something in a man that as much as he wants to be useful and helpful, men feel redundant, men like to solve problems, I have all of that. But there's something in a man also that is a coward and wants to retreat, that doesn't want to have to go into the war to do the job. And I remember before I had, long ago, before I had a kid in my first marriage, I was reading an athlete talking about having a kid. And they're like, you're, you're a new dad, what did it feel like? And he said, all I wanted to do was get in my car and drive forever. Just drive away from all of it. The responsibility, my kid, my wife, my life. He's like, of course I didn't do that, but there was something in him that wanted to. That's what I thought about this morning. You ever have moments like that? Yeah. It's called my life, my whole <laughs> life, from beginning until this second. That's like a lot every, of those moments. Every second of my life is me being afraid and then it, I mean, I don't think of it as being afraid. Like I don't even register it as being afraid. I register it as anxiety, nervousness, depression, anger. Like I, I, re I recognize it as a lot of things, but really at the root of it, it's just fear. It's fear of what, like just fear. Like my whole life is run on fear. But then what I've discovered late in life 
is that if I can somehow, yeah, the first, yeah, and and here's what, when fear strikes its big juicy fucking head in my direction, my first thing is run or become invisible or make myself disappear because I don't want to deal with anything ever. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to your family, when it comes to certain things, you know, the, you don't have that option. Like, you know, if, if it's your kid or if it's your mom even, you don't have the option. So then you just got to do it. It's weird. It's like, it's not like I told her, like, deal with it. And then I felt guilty an hour later. Or it's not like I, like, huffed and puffed, you know, like, I was the good son. I was the good father. I took care of it. I had a good attitude. I took them all to breakfast. Made I was making everyone laugh. I guess I'm talking about this weird, like, I felt guilty about that 10 seconds that I just wanted to not have to deal with it. It's it's almost unutterable. And No, that's just normal. That's just human. Right. And that's what everybody has. Even the people that are the most brave, they have it. Everybody has that fear. Like the biggest, baddest, mangiest, most homosexual biker guy <laughs> has that deep down fear that somebody's going to discover that he's a closet at home, you know. Did you say ma- mangiest? Mangiest. <laughs> a lot of mange. He's so mangy. <laughs> He's my mangy motorcycle man. Anyways. It's an interesting thing, dude. Because they all, everybody has it. And nobody nobody likes to talk about it or or discuss it. It's but some it's, real shit. It's there. Yeah, it's some real shit. Like the, 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 the fear a man has of being a coward or wanting to become invisible, retreat from a moment. What's interesting about it is I was listening to Slash on Conan's recent podcast. And he was talking about how he even Slash, the great Slash, great guitar hero. He says he still gets pretty nervous before shows. And I got to be honest with you, man. And I don't know if you and I've ever talked about this. I don't get nervous before shows. Like I'll get nervous a little bit before like a TV thing or like some sort of heightened event, just because I, there's so many things that might not go well that I can't control. But your average show where we get up on stage in front of people, I don't get nervous about that. Do you get nervous to perform? It just depends. If it's something I have done over and over, like the Saxon Pub on a Monday. Uh, whatever the least amount, of, whatever the most relaxed is that you can be, mm-hmm. that's what I am. Right. Because I truly know what it is that I'm getting myself into. But if it's anything different, like if it was the Howard's, if I was going on Howard Stern. Right. Or if I was going to be on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon or Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live, where you're playing live in front of millions of people. What about when you do like your big New Year's concerts or the the Valentine's Day moonlight stuff? Those I get a little bit nervous because I get a little nervous because it is something unknown, but I've done those so many times now. I don't have the same amount of nervousness as I had two years ago or five years ago or eight years ago. What do you guys call that show that happens in the park there? Is it called Blues on the Green? Blues on the green. We have one here called Live on the Green, so I get those confused. And it's similar, but the one in Austin's way bigger. And I remember playing one of those with you. One of the biggest crowds I'd played to at that time. And yeah, there was like 20,000 people. Yeah, 20,000 people. And I remember feeling almost nothing other than 
I was excited to just do what we did. I knew we were going to crush it. I was like, I felt this sort of group ego about it because I knew our band was good. I knew we had good songs and I knew we were going to have a good time. I don't know how you felt about that gig, but. I mean, I'm sure I was a little, I was more excited about that gig. And I, there is with, with when you're playing for, in front of that many people, you want it to be good. But I had this thing when I'm playing live where it's not even for that show that I want it to be good. I want it to be good so that people will come to another show. Hmm. I'm always thinking about the next show. Yeah. I, I talked to Jack Ingram a while ago, and I may have even mentioned it on this show before, but he told me the best he ever feels in life is when he's just finished a show and he's walking off stage. I feel the, I very much resonate with that. Did he say why? No, but as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, that's exactly how I feel. Dude, when I finished one of those Moonlight shows and it went off without a hitch, oh my God, dude, I feel so, <laughs> it's like winning, it's like winning a championship game. Dude, here's me, because especially with Morgan and I'm her band leader, so I have a lot of responsibilities for what happens musically. Here's me until we're done with the show. Uptight, kind of grumpy. The other guys are kind of goofing off. I'm not, I'm like, I'm very serious which can be a little jarring for me because sometimes I'm a bit of a clown, but I'm just, it's, it's just all business. And then when we're done, when we're finally on the bus having a beer, I'm like, man, you guys are great. <laughs> I'm like so hesitant to be in that guy until it's over. But I, it's like this weird, strange, uh, is it, here's what the feeling is. I imagine for Jack, here's what I know it is for me. I wonder if it's for you. It's a strange relief that the job is done. It was done. Well, we landed it. And now we can now I can just enjoy that victory. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a victory. Right. Dude, I've been thinking so much lately about dying. And it's so weird because in just until like literally this last week, I have never understood the whole Viking mentality about like dying in battle and going to Valhalla. But it's really when you break it down. Like the math on it, now that I've done the math on it, right. I realize it's not about Valhalla because all that shit is like, whatever. It's not about going to Valhalla. It's about, dude, in 1400, 1500, 1600, 1200, 200, 400 minus, all those, even now, 2022, at no point, but especially back then, no, no. Actually, I'm, t- I'm walking that back about the 2022. In 2022, if you get real sick and fucked up, you can go to a hospital and they'll shoot your ass full of fucking morphine and fentanyl and all this shit, and they will relax the fuck out of you as you slowly die, as you slowly limp towards death. But dude, if you got fucked up and it was 1801 or 1725 and you had some some shit that was wrong with you and you had to fucking you're dude if you had to have a tooth pulled you're fucked no here's what here's what they're doing if you have if you have a headache back then they're gonna drill a hole in your head they're gonna put some fucking leeches on your ball sack dude there was no easy slow chill march to death you had to go through some agony so what better way to die than to put a sword in your hand and go face the motherfucking enemy and 
have your sword run red with your enemy's blood. And at the end of the day, you're either dead, which is no problem, or <laughs> you're fucking alive like you've never been alive. Yeah. And you're covered in your enemy's blood. Yeah, you're either dead, which is an upgrade already, or you're a war hero. But here's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, they didn't have anything to live for. Dude, nobody but, nobody wanted to live to be super old because it was not going to be good news back in it was just, 1710. It was just bad news 24-7. Bad news. Plague, death, rape, murder, no Dude, law, I no need justice. Some, I need some chips. Oh, you need some chips in 1435? Grow some potatoes. Figure out how to get some oil, maybe from a from a beheading get find a pot oh you need a pot <laughs> go make one bitch or find a blacksmith who's not a rapist good luck with all of it now i want some chips i'll go to the exxon at 3 30 a.m it's funny, the before the Italians really began to harvest olives, the best way to get oil for chips was at a beheading. So Or a rat. But good. Oh, I'll just <laughs> do this rat until I get enough oil to make some chips. Here's the good news about that time, though. Plenty of beheadings, plenty of rats. Dude, but here's, so many rats and so many beheadings. But here's how you end all war immediately in that in 1400. Little thing called... 7-Eleven. Little thing called Candy Crush. <laughs> an ipad and a fucking chevron superstore all wars end dude ever ever since they came up with convenience stores we haven't had a war in the states dude you put a bucky's in like medieval times problem solved put a check stop in fucking northern france no problem yeah antoinette her kids are still (laughs) ruling she fucked up man Oh, have you seen, we're lurching towards the Oscars. Have you seen any of the movies yet that we can talk about? I've seen a few that I'll, I would like to talk about if you have seen them. All right, let's go through them and I'll tell you if I'm going to watch them or not going to watch them. The Lost, have seen them. I'll tell you the ones I've seen. The Lost Daughter. Nope. Nope, as in you haven't seen it or nope, as in you haven't Nope, seen haven't seen it. Nope, probably won't see it unless you tell me how great it is. Oh, it was really, really rough for me. I'm not watching that shit. Um, and I, I love Olivia Coleman. She's my she favorite actress. She is really great in it. But She's it is, great in everything. It is a two-hour punishing, bleak affair um, that really goes nowhere. And a, a, basically, children are kind of being abused in it. No. So it was out. extremely Done. unpleasant. No, I no. did watch uh, a more pleasant but not very good film last night, the uh, Being the Ricardos, the I Love Lucy movie. Not going to watch it. And that's so far. That looks so bad. I hate Nicole Kidman. I love Har- Javier Bardem. He's he great. Looks too weird. He looks um, too weird. Well, if you haven't seen any of them, we shouldn't talk about it. I did watch the final episode of Love Is Blind Two. Oh, when did it come out? It came out last night, midnight. Oh, you motherfucker, dude! I watched all five episodes because they dropped them in five episode chunks. Yeah, just so I could fucking watch the altar scenes because that's I love it when they say I do or don't. Yeah, and I got to the end, they're like. Oh, you got to wait a couple days. I'm like, what? Well, here's the good news. That's just in the chamber waiting for you. Now, since we haven't seen any of this stuff together, let's pivot to listener emails because we got some emails here. And I want to say thank you to uh, Brad C. and Brenda Asher who became patrons. We really appreciate you guys Thanks. supporting the podcast. And we'll see you. 
you lucky motherfuckers in the old secret weekly, which who knows what we're going to cook up today. Dude, we may eventually have to fucking build a bigger secret weekly with all these people joining Patreon. I love it. One good thing about the secret weekly, when you're in there, you get no Rona. Ain't no Rona in that bitch. No, dude, we're fucking, everybody gets uh free pass in the secret weekly. Joanne Kopecky writes in, first of all, the, t- the subject is sexy AF. Okay. She says, hey guys, just saw Bob's show at the Moody for Valentine's Day. Amazing times a million. Aside from watching the couple in the second row canoodling the whole time. She says parenthetically, and the drunk couple behind us, my husband and I had the best time at your show. You never disappoint. I showed my daughter videos and pics of the show. She said, OMG, he looks so good. Your new album is on my playlist combined with all my faves since the early Bob days. Don't ever stop touring, please. I will leave Austin if you do. Much love to you too, Clint. Love the IOK podcast. P.S. Your daughter was the icing on the cake with Tarantula. Thanks. Your biggest sober fan, Joanne. Oh, nice. She's sober too. I, 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 coming from a sober person, that means way, that means a lot to me. Uh, cause it's easy to enjoy something when you're all fucked up, but when you're sober, it better be good. But dude, that's the most, this is the most positive feedback I've ever gotten on any show was this last moonlight show. What was the secret sauce or is that something that's kind of beyond know. you being able to judge? I mean, there are guys that have seen, you know, seven or eight of them and they were like, oh, this one was the best. I, I lost a little bit of weight. I, I was I was looking pretty good. Um, the show was really good. The guests were really good. The performances were good. It was a pretty tight show. We had uh, we had uh, Nikki Glassby played drums, who's Beyonce's drummer. She was incredible. I don't know her. She's amazing. We had this guy John Mook, who's like from Nigeria, uh, who's got an amazing story, and he's just got this the most beautiful sort of crazy voice um so it just it just i don't know it was a it was a good show it felt it was real i don't know it was a good one well that's cool man i'm glad to hear that jay middleton who i recognize from the metal podcast community friend of mine lives in seattle he writes in and says noodle craving kicker he says hey bob and clint clint stoked to hear you're doing clean eating thing totally understand about the daydreaming of food i have that issue as well my personal battle is overeating. I've been in a program in the last year and have lost about 100 pounds. Wow, congrats. Uh, I'm all ears. He says, I know you're a big spaghetti fan, and I am as well. I found this great alternative noodle you can try. He says, no, it's not better than the OG carbs, but it kind of helps the craving. I wish you luck, dude. Keep doing what you guys do. I absolutely love the podcast. We'll always keep supporting it. He says, zip hard, my friends. Jay. So first of all, let me share... This looks like a canned, it says Palman Hearts of uh, Palm Linguini. So this is like a pasta substitute. First of all, Jay, congrats on your success losing weight. Thank you for the suggestion for Spaghetti Alternative. And thanks for the support on the show. Um, Yeah, I'm sure we'd love to hear what the program is, but he doesn't elaborate on that. Well, I've been doing this thing where I'm not eating a lot of lectins but lectins are in everything (laughs) what are lectins lectins are these things that like fuck up your gut supposedly according to the stephen gundry guy but they're basically in everything okay so uh like wheat uh sugar um potatoes tomatoes and then just this morning i was reading and he was like, oh, you can't eat oatmeal because it's got every oatmeal that we tested as pesticides in it and it's got lectins. And 
And that was my go-to. I've been eating oatmeal like a motherfucker for about the last like four weeks. <laughs> so are you back, to just, it every are you back to just drinking that chicken broth? Uh, How many lectins are in that chicken broth bowl? Well, lately, if I don't eat, I feel fine. And then when I eat, I feel a little fucked up. And so I've just not been eating for large portions of the day. I mean, the good news is I'm losing, I'm, I'm losing weight. I feel pretty good. Uh, it's definitely made me reevaluate my relationship with food and eating. Like anytime you stop doing what you're doing, uh, whatever it is, masturbating, uh, gambling, uh, playing your iPad game of choice, whatever it is, is, whenever you stop doing something, you realize, oh shit, I'm doing this way more than I even realized I was doing it. Hmm. And so that's what I've noticed about food. I've noticed it at other points in my life, but I, there's just food around me all the time. And what'll happen is if I just get a feeling, I reach for a whatever's handy and there's always something handy. Even if I'm not at home, if I'm at Best Buy, I'll reach for something, you know? Yeah. So I'm not doing that because now if I reach for something and eat it, I'm going to start feeling a little, I'm, I'm going to feel not, I'm, I'm going to feel off. So I don't know. So it's, it's good. Uh, figuring some stuff out. I do the thing where I, I give myself a calorie count and if I exercise that, then I can go into a deficit on, you know, and so I was doing some, I'm on like day 21 or 22. So I've been doing really well. And there had this one day where I'd done really well and I had exercised and I had plenty of calories. So I got one of my favorite things, which is a chicken sandwich from the spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's. And after like 21 days of eating clean, it just made me sick. You know, it's like, yeah. fuck, this is like poison. Yeah. But when I was in the thick of the, the, you know, what I'll call a sort of Caligula phase, I was eating like, several of those a week it was like it was like my heaven it was like my joy so it's wild how stepping away from it just for a second you're like fuck man i was really hurting myself this shit's not good for me doesn't mean you can't have it occasionally but it's illuminating to dip back in and be like oh this is kind of like eating poison well i mean talk about eating clean dude i've been eating clean clean i've been off i haven't i've been off coffee now for a month maybe longer uh drinking like ginger and lemon with honey tea and now i've cut out the honey and it's just ginger and lemon which basically tastes like satan urinated into <laughs> some hot water uh go on after, after he after he had some sushi or something it's it's rough business but i'm just trying to eliminate sugar and stuff how about that scene in love is blind 2 where uh deep d can't believe that shake's putting wasabi in his soy and he's like, that's what you're supposed to do. And she ha she kind of has the ginger and the wasabi mixed up. She was like, right. wasabi's your palate cleanser. And it's interesting to see someone co so confidently wrong about something that most people know. Oh, she th right. She thought wasabi was the palate <laughs> yeah. cleanser when it's ginger that's the palate <laughs> cleanser. Man, I uh, can't wait to talk about that final episode. I will watch it today. We'll talk about it on next week's so podcast. So just so you're not totally disappointed, no spoilers, I'm just telling you, what you will see when you fire it up on Netflix is um, the 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 altar episode. So you're going to see all five couples and what happens. 
And then it already teases the reunion episode, which drops next Friday. Okay, cool. I like the reunion episode from last from the first season. I thought it was great. Well, so when when we Isabel and I just watched the new one today, and uh, she was like, "I'm going to immediately look up all these couples," and I was like, "Hey, do whatever you want, but why don't you treat yourself and wait for the reunion to see what happens?" For sure. To yeah, just give yourself give yourself a gift. Yeah, it's like waiting to find out if you're if you if you're having a boy or a girl. Just give yourself that one gift. Yeah, wait until you give birth, and then you'll love that child. With all your heart. Otherwise, you'll just spend the next four months uh, mourning the loss of the child you never had. <laughs> oh God! You will. That's what happened with with us with uh, with my first kid. We we waited, and when my son was born, of course, we just loved loved my son. And then when my daughter, you know, when my wife was pregnant with my daughter, we I'm like, we should wait, and she's like, nope. And like all things, it used to be like like ninety eight percent of things in our marriage, I went her way. But now, after seven years of marriage, I'm going to go with all things, hundred percent things that she decides. That's what we end up doing. You know why? Because Daddy tired. Well, yeah. What else is there? That's it. Daddy, That's- Daddy tired, and ultimately, <laughs> Daddy just want to get away. And be alone. Daddy, <laughs> daddy, daddy don't want to discuss nothing with nobody. Never. So, oh, you want to find out what the... I don't think we should. Well, I think we should. I don't think it's a good idea. We're doing it. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, we did it. And then we find out it's a girl. And I immediately got real sad because I only know boy. I only know what it is to be... Bob only know boy. I only know daddy of boy. I don't know daddy of girl, so I didn't know what that was. So I'm <laughs> now I'm sad. And then of course when once our daughter was born, of course I loved my daughter. And then once now that I've been able to get to know her and find out who she is and what girls are like, oh my God. I couldn't ever imagine not having a girl. Like I would only want girls. I love having a little girl. I really do. Oh, they're the best. It's and they're so, so cute they're, at this age. They're so beautiful. I know. We're really moving into, she'll be eight this year, and we're really moving into, she's just getting bigger, taller, leggier, stronger, and like more formidable. Some of the squishies growing out, you know, and I knew it would happen, and that's what happens. And the truth is with a girl, I probably still have some squishy in there till 11 or 12, but I can. Def- there's definitely a difference between what my favorite so far of her life was like three to five or six because it was just all sweet, all squishy, all fun and funny. Now we're actually dealing with stuff, you know, like we're getting into some stuff and that's its own joy, but it's different. There's some less squishy shit. There's some more like just real, she's becoming her own thing, you know? Yeah. And there's something kind of awesome about it because that's the goal, but there's just something, there's kind of a death to it too that does make me sad. Well, I, I know with Luke, Every year was better than the last up until about 11. And then it kind of receded because he just started becoming his own person, which is good. You yeah, want that. That's the goal. But, you know, he doesn't, he didn't want to rely on dad as much. Right. But I don't know. He's 16 now. He's, yeah. I mean, I don't know, dude. It's all good. It's all good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm loving, I'm loving life. 
I'm loving life when it comes to to that part of it, the being a dad part. It feels a little like boyhood for me because I met Luke when he was six. I met him when he was a little younger than my daughter now. So it's just weird. I remember when I was over there last summer and we were trying to find a way to get him to come have lunch or something. And like any 16 year old, he had shit going on. And But just even hearing his voice on the speakerphone, he just sounded, he sounded like a little man. Man, boyhood. Yeah. I may have man, to revisit man. that now that I've got a kiddo. It's such a weird thing because it's it's really a mo- like a, a few movies, a hand less than ten movies I've seen have really shaped my whole worldview. Can you list uh, so Richard Linklater's Boyhood? Can you you uh, yeah. got any others on hand? Wings of Desire, uh, the Wim Wenders movie about the angels in Berlin. Okay, have you ever seen that? Is that an old film? It's an old film. Yeah, it's with with. Uh, Peter Falk yeah. plays himself. Yep. Uh, the Matrix. That was a that's that seems silly to say now, but that movie really was kind of mind blowing. Yes, I agree. Oh, that movie completely. I'm like, oh, this all could be just a figment of my imagination. Oh, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, those are the ones that come to mind. Wings of Desire for sure, because. If you're unfamiliar with that movie, it's about these angels. They live forever. They kind of watch over people. They're invisible. No, you can't see them, but you can kind of feel their presence sometimes. And they influence some of your decision-making or they try to influence it. And it's these main these two guys uh, in Berlin, and they're you know doing what angels do, have done for millions of years. They're looking at people and watching them, and this guy falls in love with this trapeze artist or some circus lady, whatever, and decides he wants to become a human being so that he can, because he's in love with her and he wants to spend time with her. And so, but if he does that, he's not going to be immortal. He's going to get old and die like all humans. But he decides to do it because he wants to spend time with this woman. Is this where he like wants to just, they're like, we can't do that. And he's like, just put me in the same neighborhood as her. No, they can do it. They can do it at any time, but again, it's just you like you have to give oh, up, you, right? You're gonna you're gonna die in five seconds, you know, which is like in the next twenty or thirty years because, you know, you're not gonna live forever. So you're making a big sacrifice, but he makes it, and then he, the scene where he's a human for the first time after millennia of being an angel, and he's just walking around and he's like breathing in the air and he's touching the plants and he's just so aware of the tactile realness of being a human being and being alive on the earth dude that has never left me like i'm like oh i have that opportunity every second of every day to just be in this environment and appreciate the the real feeling of it right so yeah that that made a huge impact and then of course boyhood i mean i watched that and you're just basically watching 12 years go by or 10 years in three hours. And you're like, okay, well that was 10 years and three hours. And then three hours, it'll be 20 years and three hours. It'll be 30 years. And then you're dead. Right. Dude. Fade to black. Well, on that happy note, we must now conclude this wonderful edition of I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. 
and we're going to kick it to the Secret Weekly. You can join us if you go to patreon.com slash letters IOK. You can support the podcast by throwing a few bones at it every month. Helps keep the lights on at IOK Industries. And uh, we have other podcasts you can check out, but you know all about that. Bob's on tour. Bob's playing shows. I'm on tour. I'm playing shows. Come find us out in the world somewhere. We'll see you on the Secret Weekly. And if you're not there, it's all good. We'll see you on the flippity flop next week. Bye.